At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Hi, and welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, your host. The issue of LGBT rights of students in public schools has been a hot topic lately. Some say that children who identify with the opposite biological sex should have the right to do so and should carry that right into public schools. This, of course, would affect bathroom and locker room policy, preferred pronoun usage, and the curriculum, in the words of some, that would create a climate of tolerance and teach acceptance of LGBT youth. Others say that this is wrong and that it is sexualizing our young children and has no place in the public schools. Of course, these are big questions facing public schools, teachers, and parents. Joining us to talk further about this is Adam, a public school teacher in central Kentucky. And um, Adam is also a parent, and I purposely have not identified his last name or the school district that he is uh, serving in just out of protection of his identity. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So just a little background here. Um, I got to know Adam recently when I put out a call to some parents and teachers who were concerned about bathroom and locker room policies that allowed transgender-identified youth to use the bathrooms of the opposite sex. I, I was personally aware of a handful of cases where this was happening and also where there was concern and I put out a call to the people that I knew that were involved with this, and uh, almost to the person, every uh, parent, every teacher, every staff was afraid to share their story with the leadership in our state legislature. They wanted to hear of real stories of people in the Commonwealth of Kentucky who were affected by this. And I'm very grateful to Adam and also his wife, who took time out of their day to travel to the state capitol to share uh, to share their story. And um, Adam, just on a personal note, I really, really appreciate that. So let's start, let's start with this. There is real concern that you have uh, transgender students, youth who identify with the opposite sex. This used to be known as gender dysphoria. It still is. And um, the biggest uh, concern is that this, any bill like a bathroom or a locker room policy would marginalize them or somehow could could lead to, to them being minimized or devalued somehow in the schools. And I want to start out with this question at first, just so the listeners know where you're coming from and what motivates you. Do, do you see it that way, that um, by not allowing kids or not, let's step back in a general sense, that not having policies that are proactively recognizing LGBT identities, do you see that as hurtful? If you had asked me that question just a few weeks ago, um, I, I don't know what my answer would have been. Um, but a few weeks ago, we had an in incident that took place, um, impacted my family. Um, <clears throat> my daughter, uh, she's nine years old at the time. Mm -hmm. She entered into the bathroom at a local high school. Mm -hmm. And not long after that, she had a young man follow her into the bathroom. Now, this young man 
Um, fortunately, my wife was standing outside of the bathroom and she was able to go in and, and ensure that nothing happened and nothing did happen um, when we're gr- very grateful and thankful for that. And so I guess when I think about that issue, my mind thinks not necessarily um, of that one small topic, but but my mind now because of this incident that took place and happened to my daughter thinks about the the safety issue for my daughter, not just for my daughter, but for also young girls in our schools who have been victims victims of sexual assault. Um, I think of those young ladies who don't know when they go into the bathroom, um, are they going to be safe? Are they going to be there as well? So. So this is a real issue for you. You've seen it firsthand. It's affected you as a parent and as a teacher. You're also involved with extracurricular activities, which I think brought your daughter onto the high school campus because she's nine years old. Yes, that's correct. So um, the other thing I was trying to get to before was that this issue uh, of concern isn't born out of animus or anger or hatred towards anybody in the LGBT community. Definitely not. Um, I have LGBTQ students and I love them. I absolutely love my LGBTQ students. I love every single one of my students. And I want all of my students to feel safe and comfortable in my classroom and safe and comfortable in my schools. My job as an educator is to teach them and to provide a safe and comfortable learning environment for them. So I love every one of my students, but the love for those students. um, Also, I have to weigh in the safety of my other students as well. Um, And unfortunately, this, this issue puts us in a situation where at, at, at some level someone is going to feel unsafe, um, whether that is a student who identifies as um, the opposite sex or whether that is a just a, a young lady who wants to use the bathroom in private. And I think that might be one of the things that is missing in this conversation is that traditionally you have had um, female-only facilities, whether they're bathrooms or locker rooms, changing areas, and you've had male-only changing facilities, and there's a reason for that. But I think we forget about those um, young males and young females who may feel violated or intruded upon when they're changing. Yes, that would absolutely be a concern. Uh, I am involved in some extracurricular activities as a coach, and that is definitely something that I want to make sure that I keep all of my athletes safe. I want to make sure that none of them ever feel vulnerable when they enter into a locker room, which is already naturally a vulnerable space. Has this issue come up in sports yet? Are you aware of how LGBT identity, specifically transgender identity, has led to an athlete wanting to use the facilities of the opposite biological sex? I personally had a student a few years ago um, who they, they were just in a period of asking a lot of questions about who they are and who how they identify. And so that was something that they brought up to me is which locker room they should use um, and then even which which team they should try out for. Um, and, and that was just a really difficult situation to help that student navigate through. It's something that I, I have seen taking place in other school districts. I have seen and heard of students who identify as the opposite sex participating in school sports. Uh, and I believe that our, our state legislation actually passed a law um, requiring biological boys to compete with biological yeah. boys and biological girls to compete with biological girls 
last session. So, yeah. Yeah. In fact, that's correct. That's a bill that the Commonwealth Policy Center was very involved with. It was called the Fairness in Women's Sports Act. And one of the compelling things that helped to get that bill over the finish line was a UK um, honorable athlete, Riley Gaines, who had to compete against Leah Thomas. That was the male who identified as female on the University of Pennsylvania swim team. Mm. And uh, if you saw a picture of the two, there was a huge difference, Adam, between Leah, who was just probably twice the size, maybe three times the weight of Riley Gaines, who is very tiny and petite. And she had to compete against him in the 200 meter freestyle, I believe it was. Mm. And they actually tied um, in, in that competition. Uh, Leah went on to win other competitions, but one of the things that uh, Riley had shared was that Leah was allowed into the UK women's locker room, um, apparently at the facility they were in. Yes, I, they didn't have a men's or or uh, something that could accommodate him as a transgender individual, and that brought some trauma to the UK women's swim team when when he came in while they were disrobing and dressing. So, Adam, tell us about um, you sharing your story. You and your wife went and met with uh, legislative leaders because they had wanted to hear real stories from real Kentuckians who were affected by policies that allowed transgender youths in the public schools to use the restroom of their choice and the locker room of their choice. And uh, you were able to share your story recently. How, how did how do you feel like they received your story and what you had to share? So first, I was very thankful that they heard my wife and I's story. Um, it was something that I know this is a, a controversial topic, and it is one that, again, when it impacted me, when I, I felt, and I still to this day wonder, okay, can I allow my daughter to go into the bathroom? It's something where I'm thankful that they, they heard that. I think that they received it well. Um, we tried to share with them the concern that not just we have, but other parents that I know have, other athletes that I know have, and I'm I'm very hopeful that we will be able to have a bill that protects um, these spaces for our young ladies and our young men. So that's a good segue into the bill that we were discussing when we met with these legislative leaders. It's House Bill 30, sponsored by Bill Wesley, a state representative from Ravenna. Uh, it's a small town in eastern Kentucky. And House Bill 30 creates a new section of KRS Chapter 158 to define terms, establish findings, and ensure that student privacy exists in school restrooms, locker rooms, and shower rooms. And it requires students born male to use only those facilities designated to be used by males and students born female to use only those facilities designated to be used by females and it requires schools to provide the best available accommodations to students who assert that their gender is different from their biological sex. So that's the essence of what House Bill 30 would do. Uh, it, it has several sponsors. I think it may be close to 40 sponsors on that. It still hasn't been heard in committee. However, there's talk of that, uh, that bill being attached as an amendment onto another bill passed in the state Senate. Uh, Adam, do you think that just that this would be something that your peers would get behind, your fellow teachers and high school administrators could support this, keeping the biological boys and the, and the of, of those that were yeah born 
male to keep them in the in the male boys restroom and those born female keep them in the female restrooms and then locker rooms and changing areas as well is that something that would have support yes i do believe it would definitely have support i think the first group of people that would support it are um parents and then educators with students it's definitely an issue that once it impacts you you don't have to wonder the what ifs anymore i used to wonder well what if this happened what if i at first i thought that this would would be something that would really not even be a, a subject I would even need to broach. Yeah. Um, but then when it, when it happened to my daughter, um, the what ifs are gone now. And and now comes, what if my wife isn't there the next time that this is to take place? So I definitely think it has wide-ranging support. I'm curious, are parents aware that this went on in your school or that this happened in your school district? Well, I'll tell you, as a, a public school teacher, I did not know that this was happening inside of the school district until I actually heard of it, about it from parents. I had some concerned parents who came to me to see if I would be a teacher representative um, to give a voice to this issue and this topic. And so while all of that was going on, this incident actually took place to my daughter. Um, and so looking at this, it's something that even as a school teacher, I wasn't aware of. And I think that's because our, our schools don't have a defined policy mm. on this topic. The things that we get is, well, if, if you were to say one thing or another, well, you, you risk a Title IX discrimination lawsuit. And so our guidance has mainly just been to allow the students to, to do what they do. Don't make a public policy because that's going to create confrontation between parents who are for the issue and against the issue. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Adam, a public school teacher in central Kentucky, and we're talking about LGBT identity and the push for LGBT curriculum and preferred gender pronouns in the public schools. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that the news media isn't always fair. In fact, there's lots of far-left bias and political gamesmanship. No surprise there. So if you're looking for a perspective that's grounded in the truth of Scripture and our nation's founding principles, then get plugged into CPC's resources. Sign up for our e-newsletter at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Commonwealth Policy Center. And we're on Twitter at cpc for kentucky Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, Executive Director of the Commonwealth Policy Center, and we are talking about LGBT identity of students in our public schools and corresponding policies. Um, Adam, I'm going to start this segment off with a protest that took place at Atherton High School. Atherton was one of the first high schools in Kentucky that had a, a, a bathroom and locker room policy for transgender-identified students. And uh, this came out just recently. This is courtesy of WHAS News. And I'm going to play this bl- brief clip so we can all hear. Back here in Louisville, hundreds of students at Atherton High School walked out of class today to protest anti-LGBTQ bills proposed by lawmakers. Right now, bills restricting sex education and the use of preferred pronouns are up in the Kentucky Senate. Senate Bill 150 would give teachers the discretion to use pronouns aligned with the student's biological sex, even if that's not how the student identifies. This was an emotional day for sophomore Owen Taggy, who told us, told us he feels like he just wants to be accepted. I want to feel safe in an environment where I'm here every day, every week. Uh, 
um, where I learn, where I have friends who might not be in the same boat as me, but I want to be safe. That's, that's why I'm here. That's why I protest against something that is very harmful. The students we talked to wanted to emphasize it was a peaceful protest, and tomorrow at the Capitol, a similar rally will be held by lawmakers. The Fairness Rally for LGBTQ Rights will start at 1.30 with Governor Bashir and other lawmakers there in solidarity. So, so Adam, um, and this kind of links back into where I started out, that your concern is not born of animus or hatred towards any kid, um, but of concern. You're concerned as a parent and, I think, as a teacher, the, the well-being of your students. Uh, what, what would you say to the student, though, that was interviewed who um, wants to feel accepted, who um, wants to uh, be able to identify um, as the, uh, with the gender that they feel that they identify with. What would you say about that? They were opposed to these bills that would have stopped the preferred gender pronoun usage, and I guess we'll start with that. Um, does that, by not being forced to use a preferred gender pronoun as a teacher, does that infringe on the right of a student? You know, first I would tell this individual that, you know, I'm very thankful that you are out there sharing what you believe. Um, I try to teach all of my students to know what they believe and go ahead and find that those beliefs are rooted in fact and in truth, and then go ahead and, and fight for what they believe in. I don't personally believe that how I refer to a student is going to negatively impact them. I get to that conclusion because I absolutely love each and every one of my students. I never limit them who as to who they are um, based on who they identify with. My ultimate goal is to get to know this individual, love this individual, teach this individual, um, and have a, a positive relationship with them in my classroom. And I feel as an educator, I've been able to be very successful with that, with students who have identified um, differently than how they were born. Does it protect the conscience rights of teachers to not be forced to use a, again, to be clear, we're talking about preferred gender pronoun. You know, I believe that this bill would go ahead and protect my conscience rights. That's always a conflict whenever I am learning how to address a student First, it comes out of a safety concern for that student. Um, unfortunately, kids are not always the nicest kids, and so they're not always ready to hear a student identify as something different. Um, so for safety for that student against peers who may cause them some problems, um, but also just as an educator and, and as a teacher, I do have my own beliefs. I do share, I, I, I have my own beliefs. I, I try to stay neutral in the classroom um, so the students can form their beliefs without my beliefs crowding into what they believe. But I do, I do want the right to be able to have and follow my beliefs. And I know there's many other Kentucky educators who'd like that privilege as well. You'd shared, I, I believe it was in the meeting with legislators, about the LGBT guidance from the Kentucky Department of Education, which advised that teachers should use the preferred gender pronoun of the students but also, if the student wanted to keep it private from parents, to not tell the parent. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that puts me in a very difficult predicament as an educator. It's something that when I look at 
these students um, and they come and share with me that they would like to be referred to as a different name. And then they, they let me know that their parents aren't on board with this. And then the guidance I receive from the school district and from KDE is to just call them what they, they want to be called. As a parent, I, I would not want to enter into a, a school building and ask to pick up my daughter by her first name and, and the school not know who that student is. Um, to me, that, that violates parents' rights. Um, and it, it is definitely a, a place I don't want to feel as an educator. I have to hide something from them. I feel like that, that is not a situation I should never be involved in. And as an educator, um, if, if this student does have a, a, a condition that they're going through, I am not the qualified professional to, to treat this situation either. Are you aware of any other policies, Adam, that the school would say, okay, as a, as a teacher or as a coach, you cannot tell the parents something about their child? I've nowhere, nowhere in education is there anything that says you have to keep something hidden from the parents. In fact, if we are um, discovering that there's harm caused to the child, we, we are supposed to notify the parents about that. Um, to make sure that the parents do that. My my best relationships with students are also ones where I have a very good relationship with the parent. And um, I don't think that I should be in, in the way of telling a student to not honor their mother and their father. I mean, that's a, a command that, that I think we're, we're given as educators is to honor the parent's request. You know, this this issue of we're talking about, in your case, middle school or junior high age kids, they've got it tough as it is. They're going through big changes in life. They're trying to figure out who they are, um, how do they fit in. And here in this uh, day and age where transgender has become a thing, uh, wouldn't you say this complicates it even more for young people? It does. It is confusing time to be alive as a middle school student and then again as a high school student. And I think what students are looking for is they're looking for some type of acceptance. And I think a big misnomer is that students who identify as an opposite sex are not accepted, where in our schools we we really go above and beyond to make sure that these students specifically feel accepted. So I think acceptance is really something that um, the schools do a good job at. And I think now as educators, we need to be in this position where we are there to love the kids, but we're also there to not even really involve ourselves in this idea of sexuality and gender identity and LGBTQ issues. I feel if someone identifies themselves only as a member of the LGBTQ group, that they have sold themselves short of who they truly are. I believe that they have so much more worth than just their sexual identity or their gender orientation or their sexual orientation. I believe that these are bright individuals who are very talented, who can go on to have great careers and um, to just only identify themselves as this one group. I think it really takes away from the character that I know these individuals have. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, Which, and that's a good lead into the next question, and this is about LGBT curriculum. That doesn't just explain about 
um, lifestyle choices or what it means to be LGBT, but pushing this idea as a healthy, normal, wholesome alternative. And this is what, uh, in the Kentucky Department of Education, in their guidance, uh, they had links. The original guidance back in July of 2022 had links to controversial curriculum. Um, mm-hmm. They had the genderbred man, which teaches very young kids, uh, kindergarten, first, second graders, about human sexuality and um, LGBT identities. There was other curriculum that would push the idea of transgender as a normal and healthy alternative. So that type of curriculum is something that I think is put in in a subtle way. Um, I don't believe that in math class students are being taught about gender identity or orientation. Um, I know in in my class that they're not doing that. I don't believe they're getting that in in language arts or science. Um, But we do have opportunities in school for social and emotional learning. And one of the early things that we do in one of the curriculum we use at the school, it asks them to identify who they are. And a, a characteristic that they look to identify is who are they, male, female, non-binary. And that is something that uh, when I shared that with some parents, they they were concerned and they asked, okay, every time you use that curriculum, would you be able to preview that for us? And share with us if there's going to be anything that we need to keep our kids on guard for. And so is it in the um, math class and science and social studies and reading language arts? Those teachers aren't specifically teaching that. But in these other opportunities for social emotional learning, that that is. I gave a survey to students today that was um, put out by our, our school district. And the issue, one of the questions, I think it was the second or third question, they said, how do you identify Hmm. male, female, non-binary, or transgender? Hmm. And it was something that just in the middle school, having students, the comments that were made when they saw that question um, is something that I don't know why that information is pertinent as my job in educating these individuals. It certainly wasn't a question asked of students even a few years ago. We are running out of time, Adam. Do you have a final word to say to your fellow teachers who are facing this issue generally of the LGBT push in the schools? Do you have a, a word of encouragement or word you'd like to share with them? Yeah, yeah. My, my word would be love your students for who they are, but also understand that it's okay to have your views and your beliefs, and it's okay to stand on those things. This topic is something that I think many people are concerned about because they they don't want a lawsuit um, and they don't want to make kids feel bad. And so I think there's a way as an educator to hold to your beliefs, hold to your convictions while still loving and teaching your students. Very good. Thank you, Adam. God bless you. Thank you so much. Growing up as a child, who did you turn to whenever you had a crisis? Who was your source of strength? Who held you in the darkest situations and became your beacon of light? Most of us will recall the love of our parents, our grandparents, our family. But the harsh reality today is that there are many who face the dark places of life totally alone. Since 1869, the mission and the ministry of Sunrise Children's Services has been to help children in crisis. That need grows every day in Kentucky. Everyone with a passion for children can join us in giving hope to children in need. To learn more, just visit sunrise.org. 